Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, we're here with the Hollywood Life podcast. We have a very special and just like so interesting guest today. And, but before I introduce her, I'm introducing my co-anchor, Ali Stagnita. Hi, Ali. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks guys so much for tuning in and listening. We do have a really special guest today. She just wrote a book. She was an MTV VJ um, and pals with none other than George Clooney. So we have so many questions for her. Um, Bonnie, I will let you introduce um, an old friend of yours as well. That's right. Um, well, first, let's let's uh, give her name. Yeah. Hello, Karen Duffy. Hi. Hello. Hello, Bonnie. Hello, Allie. Thank you so much. I love listening to your podcast. You bring me so much happiness in my ear holes. So <laughs> thank you for sharing your bright light with all of us. So thank you. Well, thank you. And we are going to talk today about, yes, about your career. You were one of the very first MTV VJs. I used to be just mesmerized watching you. <laughs> and you, you are an actress, you are a writer, and you're a mom. And you've just written this fabulous book called Wise Up, which is uh, on in bookstores now and it's online and all the places you get books and you can see all my yellow stickies I have been reading this yeah. and enjoying it so much and it's um it you call you subtitle it irreverent enlightenment from a mother who's been through it yes <laughs> and, and it is set up as letters to your son Jack who is 19 now uh, 18 yes he's 18. a senior okay. in high school mm -hmm. and uh I wanted uh, to write a, a book, a collection of letters. Um, I'm very influenced by the Stoic philosophers and um, pretty much the thesis of the book is, if you make beautiful choices, you will make a beautiful life. But uh, I felt that if I addressed this book to the person I love the most in the world, that the love and good vibes would just radiate off of the page. So that's why I wrote them as a collection of letters uh, to my lad, but he stands in for the reader. Well, it's a really, it's a very cool setup, but I think it's your words of advice for life to your son, who, as you said, is a, is a high school senior. So he's going to be heading off to college, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, about to embark on life, but you have, you have got such um, inspiring and reinvigorating, like invigorating and reinvigorating advice. <laughs> and it's also like uplifting. I just want to read it before I'm then going to let Ali ask, ask some questions, but what you say here is, and I, like, I got really inspired is it is never too late to get smarter or better. You 
we say you only live once, but truthfully, you live every day. You only die once. And you are the only person standing between you and freedom. You are the boss of you. There's no one tethering you or muzzling you. It's up to, it's up to you to make the most of your time here. That's so good to remember every day. It truly is. You know, I, um, I always think every day we have a choice to be useful or useless. And any small act that I can put in the useful ledger, then I'm okay. So, and often people think of a life philosophy as something that is really for academics. But truly, if you have a way of how the world works, if you know how to tip your server, uh, then you have a philosophy of life. We all have a philosophy of life. Um, and that's what I wanted to inspire, especially to this audience, to our audience. Mm -hmm. um, Karen, tell me a little, tell us a little about how you adopted this philosophy. It is a very stoic way of thinking, uh, Seneca and, and all of those, those men. Um, mm -hmm way way back in the day um tell me a little bit about just how you adapted this you know philosophy and brought it into your everyday life and what kind of was the trigger for that for you well thank you for asking Allie. um in our in our family we have a tradition where we pick a motto and it's a few words that we write on our heart as a way to live and right now, it's the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, nothing great in life was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And so we each pick a motto uh, and then we, we pass it around the breakfast table. Okay, well, which one's gonna be our motto now? Um, I was introduced to the Stoic philosophers quite early on as a reader. And um, what's interesting, Ali, is people often think that the small s Stoic, meaning the adjective means a stiff upper lip, mm -hmm. but stoic philosophy, stoa means porch in Greece, in Greek. And so in ancient Athens, this group of philosophers wanted a very practical, easy, radiant philosophy for every man. So stoa just means the philosophy of the porch and philosophy means love of wisdom. So I love that it's just so simple. It just says like, how long are you gonna wait to demand the best of yourself? We're all doing the work of being a human being. It's, it's interesting because it was written so long ago, yet it reads as if the ink is still wet. Mm. It really does read as if the, the ink is still wet. Like you, I mean, this is a, I think it's a really um, wise, uh, this is stoic. You say that you, this another of the stoic, tenants is that we can't control what happens, which is true. So much is out of our control. We can only control how we respond. And I think that gives you a little more control in your life. Absolutely. And actually, Bonnie, what you picked out is probably the, the, the tent pole of this school of philosophy and um, written by 
um, Epictetus. And it's so true if we just understand that, yeah, so many things are out of our control, but how we respond is within us. And just choosing to maybe wait a moment before we hit send, or just taking a moment to understand like, this is in my control. I think um, it has really helped me deal with challenges and I am a much happier, steadier person, um, and very and a very grateful person, um, and inspired by this philosophy. When you were diagnosed with your chronic illness, and I know I'm going to botch the name of it, so mm -hmm. sar sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis. Mm -hmm. um, what was your immediate reaction, and how has this like way of thinking for you? You know, did you develop this as you, you know, progress through your illness? Thank you. Um, when I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis, I was kind of at the really at an amazing point in my career. I was at MTV. I was the Revlon model. I was doing film, and all of a sudden, it felt as if I built a plane by hand. And right when I was ready to take it out of the hangar. I had to put it back because I couldn't really take off. Um, the illness I have causes chronic pain and I can no longer be insured uh, for working as a film actor. So I had always written. I wrote many, actually some of my first jobs were writing for Bonnie. Yes, and, you were a um, writer. We loved, we loved commissioning you and your <laughs> articles. And uh so I think in order to be a great writer, you need to be a great reader. And um, in I was what it was, Allie, is living with chronic pain. I didn't want this to make me angry or mean. And what I've recognized that in life, suffering is inevitable. I mean, I mean, sorry, pain is inevitable. We're all going to experience pain in life suffering is optional. That is under our control. I can't control the level of pain that I will be in every day. But what I can understand is, this is my life. This is my day. How I spend it is up to me. And so even if I can't go out or put on clothes, I can still make this day count because that is still under our control. So hopefully, Wise Up is a great uh, introduction to people who maybe don't read a lot of philosophy or, or are curious. Um, I think it's, I really try to find the joy in it. Yeah. Well, I think with Wise Up, um, you've done it. And I think it, uh, you know, it really shows the triumph that you've had over, you know, being dealt this you know, unexpected blow, like talk about something out of your control. And I, I you know, I knew you before you got ill. And I knew you when you were first in the stages of this disease. And I remember you telling um, us and like myself and the other editors at, um, I think it was like Marie Claire and Cosmo mm -hmm. about how, you know, you didn't know how long you were going to live. Like you would buy the milk bot, the milk cartons, and your goal would be to survive past the expiry date. Wow. Yes. It, you were faced with a terrifying situation as well as pain and that you were able to come to come up with with the stoic philosophy to help you through this 
It absolutely did. I mean, Bonnie, I just feel like these this classical wisdom has dilated my soul in a way where I am, you know, I, I think that every day is an opportunity where we can get smarter and better. And I just feel that, you know, just reading uh, philosophy and understanding that, you know, that again, what is in our control is most important. Um, and it's made me stronger and I am less fearful and I am more confident. And I love, you know, um, you know, the idea of um, one of the sayings is write it on your heart that every day is the best day of the year. Mm. He who is rich, who seizes the day. And again, actually, as Ali pointed out, uh, a lot of philosophers are uh, men, and um, but uh, the Stoics have many women. And uh, Marcus Aurelius, who's very well known, starts off his most well-known book, Meditations, thanking his mother for everything he has, she has shared with him and taught him. And uh, so I love that this is coming out right around Mother's Day too. Karen, I would love your thoughts and advice as someone who I have tried to implement, like, I think everyone tries to implement gratitude in their life. And they're like, I'm going to be grateful today. I'm going to journal today. I'm going to do this today. And they kind of like fall off. Like how you're such a perfect example of somebody who said, I want to implement this in my life. And now it is a part of you. How did you make it a part of you and start to not only just read it, but believe it and live it? Well, thank you. That's what's so great is about a practical philosophy is that you can incorporate it into your life. And again, I'm doing modern things. Like when I go to the hospital, it's, it's challenging because there is a real power differential between the doctors, you know, they're closed and you're naked and, you know, you're you're giving blood, you're giving samples. It's a very intimate and somewhat humiliating uh, position to be in where your keister's open in one of those gowns. So I thought, well, I, I wanna change the way I feel because I've got to go to the doctors a lot. So I just started buying candy necklaces, like by the bulk, and I would fill my bag with candy necklaces. And when I would get, when I would get in the cab to go to the hospital, I'd be like, to the cab driver, you want a candy necklace? No one has ever said no to a candy necklace. <laughs> and I would then give it to the nurses, the doctors. And then all of a sudden it went from, oh, there's that lady who's coming in for her biopsy. They're like, oh, that's the crack pot with all the candy necklaces. <laughs> um, another small thing to do. Um, you turned um, it on its head. Like she's not gonna, you didn't wanna see yourself as a victim and you didn't want them to see you as a victim. Yes, I'd be a crackpot. <laughs> I'd much prefer to be a crackpot. One of the things um, that I find to be really helpful, and again, this is something anyone can do, is I write thank you notes. And again, it's not an email because in the email there's an expectation of reciprocity, where if you send an email, there's almost a sense of you got to send it back. But if you send just a postcard. And, you know, just a sh short little note. And I try and incorporate that as many days as I can. Just, you know, 
uh, I saw a gentleman in my neighborhood be very kind to some homeless people. And I just sent him a postcard. And again, there's no return address. And it's a lot of fun to send gratitude through the US Postal Service. And that is a very small way to do it. And sometimes my girlfriend and I, we have, we, we, uh, well, once a month, we go buy, uh, we'll go to the flower district, buy a bunch of flowers, and we're like, today's the day. And we walk around and just hand out carnations. It's carnation day once a month. And it's just kind of a, a way to turn things on their head. And we have, so much to be grateful for as we come out of this pandemic, as we are at a time where there is uncertainty. Um, I find that taking small actions, be a friend to yourself is really important. We often forget to put ourselves on our own checklist and show kindness to everyone else, but it's really important. And the Stoics say, be a friend to yourself. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That is a really important lesson as well. I agree. It's such an important lesson. I think that we're all so hard on ourselves. And also we do forget that every day can make a difference. You, if you, you know, no matter how you feel, you can make somebody else feel better through handing out a flower or sending some gratitude and every day doesn't have to be a routine and it can like you can you talk about giving carrots to others and to yourselves like as sort of um you know to incentivize people and yourself to get things done like you just don't feel like writing but you'll give yourself a treat if you'll at least get something something done exactly um, that's so smart. Yes, yeah, small little goals. I mean, uh, I often talk about uh, this idea of low level happiness, because we always think that life is, you know, the big moments, you know, the birthday weddings, but truly life is in between the, fa the fanfare. And one night I was out uh, at a party and it was in the evening outside at a barbecue and I, I wear a pain patch on my neck. And somebody said, you know, why do you wear that? And I said, well, it, it, it delivers uh, pain medication. Um, and he said, what's it like to live with chronic pain? And we were being bombarded by mosquitoes. And when you get a mosquito bite, it itches. So what we do is we scratch it. And when we scratch our mosquito bite, we are essentially getting low level pain. We're trading the itch for a new sensation of low level pain. So I'm trying to fill my life with just low level happiness and just small little ways, you know, have a few dog biscuits in my pocket to pass around. I mean, just small things, carrying somebody's groceries. There are opportunities. And often we can feel intimidated by uh, offering yourself up and, to do a kindness. And as Dr. Martin Luther King said, we don't have to take the whole staircase 
just take the first step in faith. So just start out small. And as you feel comfortable, I think it can really become a wonderful habit. And I am living proof. I think it's just really amazing and, and inspiring listening to you, knowing that you were at, like what you said, of the takeoff of your career when you had to pivot and you were pretty much forced to change your entire way of thinking as like, you know, what you thought was your destiny to be this massive star. Now you're using that platform, you know, for an entirely different re purpose. And I, I just think it's, it's really, really inspiring. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's interesting, Allie, they say that we're inspired by the five people we spend the most time with. And so many of my friends are wildly generous and uh, noble. And uh, I believe that that is contagious. So um, it's all, you know, to be a good example for yourself and you may inspire your best friend. Like that. Now tell us about Jack. He, um, you know, you, you wrote the, this book to give him life advice. And he has a, I saw he has a, a letter in the back where basically he accepts your advice. <laughs> He's so proud of you. Um, tell us about him. Well, it's interesting, Bonnie. Um, uh, my, uh, when I asked my son, the, the book was a collection of uh, in, in the draft stage was a collection of essays. And I thought, no, if, I want the reader to really feel loved. And so again, addressing them to Jack, who I love so much, I wanted the reader to feel this true sense of love for all. So I asked Jack, may I address these letters to you? And um, he said, yes, but I, I wish that you would use my real name and not my nickname because I'm proud of you. And um, what's interesting, Bonnie, is that uh, in France, if a parent posts on social media about their child, that child can then sue their parents oh, in court. No. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I told Jack about this. And um, yeah. so he, he said, no, no, I want you to do it. And then he wrote a very, very funny um, letter back to me. And um, he's- uh, Promising not to sue. Very, yes, yes, yeah. Promising. Uh, in case I had um, raised a litigious son, but um, <laughs> I do think that you know it is interesting that you know there are laws around the country, and I think that's kind of interesting. So um, uh, one of the things that Jack said was, in reading the book, he said, you know, you've really taught me that I should focus on you know what is in my ability, not on what I don't have or what I can't control. So I think that it, it resounded. It's very cool. I love all of these. I'm going to listen to this podcast over and over again, just to hear <laughs> like these terms and oh, good. <laughs> myself of them every day. <laughs> and it's all right there in the book too. Yes. 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 All right there. What's the up? Now, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Allie. Well, I obviously, you know, want to hear about this, your friendship with George Clooney. I mean, and being, you open up about how the night before you started feeling symptoms of your illness, you, he was, you were with him at the Golden Globes or the Emmys? We were at the Emmys. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. 
Yeah. I know. Yeah. Bonnie and I um, were working a lot together. So what's amazing is uh, that George and I have been friends uh, for 30 years. We are two weeks apart. So we never lie about our age. <laughs> he's like, he said, I spoke to him the other day and he said, how is it that we are at entry level old age? And the great thing about getting older is you get to do it with your friends. And um, it was certainly a night I'll never forget. And um, when I look at that photo, uh, when we were together at the Emmys, and then it's kind of lovely to think that we have been deep, deep, very close friends for almost for 30 years, which is incredible. It's a lifetime. Um, and I love, I mean, he gave us, he got us this rescue dog that's right behind me. Um, so he's, he's such a wonderful guy and his wife is, if I could pull it, put like a Mount Rushmore of every characteristic that I would wish for my best friend to marry, Amal is absolutely all that and more. And um, I admire how much good that they do in the world. They are really trying to, you know, use their, what is in their power to help others. And that is the highest praise I can think for anyone. Were you surprised to see him settle down or were you happy? Like it was, Amal had to be it. <laughs> Allie, I will tell you the minute I met Amal, I, and, and his mother said the same thing, George's mother, that it was truly this, this alchemy of love. And they got married within a few months. And to see my friend become a parent is such a gift. And how much, like, he just kept saying, I'm never going to have kids and he was the one who was like you have to have kids yeah he kept saying that all the time in interviews well he would say i'm never gonna get married and i'm never gonna have kids i don't want kids exactly and to have uh there'll be five these unbelievably charming uh children that are just are they have no idea how lucky they are that they have amal as their mother um and, well, and of course, George is their dad, but they're, they're very sweet. They have these lovely accents and this they're just magic. Uh, and, and this age is just so endearing too. And they're really talkative and very engaging and cheeky. They love to play jokes. It's very, they, they inherited that from their dad. Yeah. Is, um, it just, is it just that love? changed him like he never thought he'd really fall in love and then he was overwhelmed with love well she is unbelievably dynamic in a very quiet way um she uh has devoted her life to human rights and uh to see i think they they are they are so proud georgian it's there's a word called hypergamy and that means when you marry up and i was <laughs> like george you and i we at the jackpot he's like i just like it like we are such hypergamists we have just married up and he was like oh and then it, they have a lot of laughs when they go back um to visit from kentucky she's 
um, raised in London. And, um, but she is so game and her sense of humor is absolutely on match in a very different way. But um, not only, you know, is she a, um, a great support, but she's really, really funny. Um, and that's something that is really beautiful to see. I'm going to see her next week for dinner. Can't wait. <laughs> I, they're such an iconic couple along with you and your husband. I mean, it's just like, like you said, two, two perfect matches and that's all you <laughs> for your, for your close friends. I know. And both of us, um, kind of got, we're got a late start to it. And, uh, and so I do think that, um, what I love about the Greeks is that, you know, they believe the ancient Greeks believe there are many forms of love. It's not just romantic love. There's love of your fellow man. There's brotherly love. There's love for all of mankind. And so there's, when you look at the many ways to love, you'll see so much more love around you. And I think that that's a, a beautiful gift. Well, I remember too, um, like, your husband, John, John Lambros, you guys just started out as friends and weren't you even roommates in a, in a, like a, you shared a house? Yes. Yeah, so we, a scrappy beach shack, but he was working and he only came one time and we eloped, uh, after dating maybe about eight weeks. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, we were in the high impact love program oh. and, um, uh, when we, John was very sweet. He looked up, um, this very famous, uh, Broadway couple, the Lunt Fontaines, mm -hmm. and they were very successful as partners romantically as husband and wife, but also business wise. And they said, what is the secret to their great success? And they said, we're always polite to each other. And so John and I, even when things aren't so great, we still, try and speak to each other with grace and kindness and you know the politeness the way you treat your best friend i love that i'm writing all these down yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like such excellent advice for marriage or any romantic relationship because i really think that people forget when you get close to somebody and you get passionate and you get yeah things things happen you get upset or you have a disagreement and people say a lot of things that they regret later. And so remembering what you are, are telling us, like to be polite, it's gonna, yes. you can just bite your tongue a little bit, <laughs> it probably would prevent a lot of divorces. It truly, and also like, you know, there, the intimacy you're with someone all the time, especially during the, um, this lockdown where everyone's working from home. It was funny, my husband and son, we were all together and uh, it felt like we all worked for the same company, but different branches. So John was like, yes, I'm in the finance department of the house. And Jack's like, I'm sports and academics. And I was like, what about me? And they're like, you're our entertainment, <laughs> which made me feel very happy. But again, like um, it is respecting yourself. I, I truly believe that sloppy speech leads to sloppy thinking. And that if you use a lot of ugly words and say them out loud, that has an impact. And I think it, it, it can be corrosive to our own soul, but to also the people that you're addressing. So kind of like what we're talking about, having control over what you can, like we can have control over what we say and not 
every everything, every, not every action deserves a response immediately. And so I feel like that is also being a friend to yourself because then you're not engaging in kind of uh, the lowest part of ourselves. I think like give yourself some time to breathe. They always say, take a walk, that really helps. And, um, you know, take a moment and, and often um, you can expect the best of yourself. If you expect it, you'll often get it. I love that. What, what advice would you give? I mean, you wise up is um, it, it's written for your son, but also, I mean, there's life advice for, as we say, for, for all of us, mm-hmm. for Ali, myself, like women, men of all different ages, but as a mom, like what advice would you give to other moms? I mean, you've raised well, this beautiful son, Jack. Well, thank you. And I'm so grateful that Jack did stand in for the reader. You know, there's a spiritual equation, which I have a lot of faith in. And that is that life is 10% what happens, but 90% how we respond. So often, like we just had a flood, we're going to have to get our uh, floors ripped up. I'm like getting mad, but I'm going to get mad at the pipes. Like, I know, like understand, like there's a great quote, um, that, um, uh, that from Aristotle and Aristotle said, it is expected that unexpected things should happen. So in a way, the problem is we don't expect problems. So we now expect problems. Um, and it's funny, my, uh, son, uh, we have a no technology at the table rule and there's just the sto- sports pages and philosophy books. And <laughs> my son, it, it, it works out. And also people always say how dinner is so important with your family, but in our family, it doesn't work with sports and with work. So our meal together is breakfast and that's when we're all there and no tech and we just even if you don't want to talk you can read and um my son plays hockey which is a dangerous sport and i realized if i worried about him i would dissolve the joy that he gets from playing hockey at a very high level and um sometimes when he sees me he said mom remember aristotle said worry is misuse of the imagination. And so I'm like, huh, you have been paying attention. You have been listening. <laughs> so it's okay, that, that's one I'm writing down. <laughs> misuse of the imagination. <laughs> yes. Well, I, that, that's what's so beautiful. It's funny, my friends who are more academic stoics and philosophers, they're like, how did you find all the fun stuff? In this <laughs> and like, because if you look, you will find it. And again, it appeals to me. I find, I try and find the most simple ideas and express them. And, uh, through this book. So I do believe it, you, you will find if you're looking for it, it's been quite, quite an adventure. Well, I can also say as a Canadian that I can uh, completely understand how your son feels about hockey. Yes, <laughs> It is great. And again, I didn't want to in any way, this is his great passion. And I did not want to decant 
any of the happiness that he gets from that, because that would be really, again, it's out of my control what happens. And so I try and just, you know, stay very uh, zen and, um, and it's worked out. It's worked out. Worry has worry as an, it, they say that worrying is like paying a debt for something that you haven't paid for. Like you're expending all of this uh, emotion and anxiety and that affects us, our physiology. So I do find, they say that, you know, reading um, is uh, very calming. The whole idea of bibliotherapy, which is, you know, the idea that reading books is really good for us. And um, it helps us hopefully get a little smarter, but also it is a time that we allow ourselves to free from distraction and really give ourselves the gift of wisdom. So that's been lovely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to give the gift of wisdom through literally wise up, like you're giving wisdom here, life wow. wisdom and advice. And uh, as, as a reader, thank you. And thank you from, for joining us on our Hollywood life podcast today. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best with this and your whole family. And I'm going to be in touch. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you, Allie. Look, and I made a portmanteau. I called you Bali. Oh, <laughs> ah. Portmanteau is putting those two names together like Benifer. I love it. See, that's, that's Bali. That's that Bonnie and I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It was a gift to join you today. I'm so grateful and I look forward to catching up. Thank you in stores and online. You can get it now. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Karen. And uh, we're wishing you good health um, and book sales. <laughs> Thank you very much. Amazing. Bye Thanks. guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.